Hi, hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Bree, and this is the R&B podcast, where each week we wrap up um, the pop culture events that have happened, except for this month, we have very special four episodes for Black History Month. Alrighty, so for our first main topic for Black History Month, um, Reagan and I decided to watch an episode of American Masters called How It Feels to Be Free, and it's really just about, like, Black women and representation in, like, the media, um, but mainly, like, pre-2000. Um, so really yeah. just, like, the rise of how we even got started in media and how we are here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a really great history lesson starting back in the 1930s, really, um, <laughs> following stars like Lena Horne, um, Abby Lincoln. They even mentioned Dorothy Dandridge to an extent, but, like, really the women that, like, tra- trailblazed what it means to be a star as a Black woman. Yeah. Um, on like, it was very inspiring, which I didn't expect it to be, because it was mainly based on, like, the actresses who've really um, pioneered it. But, like, it, it's just, like, because we just don't talk about Black women history at all, there's, like, so much I just had no idea about. Mm-hmm. And, like, even I knew, like, Halle Berry was the first to, like, get the, like, Academy Award when they were showing, like, um, Cecily, I believe, getting nominated for Sa- Sounders. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, is she about to win? And then, like, she lost to Liza Minnelli. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because I was like, like, I, like, as much as, like, I knew a little bit, I was like, I really didn't know. And, like, it's just as wild, like, how hard it it was for them and how it still continues to be so hard for us yeah I mean it's one of those things where it's a lot of the same conversations are happening um because like it's just crazy that like like you said like in um 19 in the 1950s like there's basically room for one black woman at a time Mm -hmm. so it's like you kind of see that black woman in everything or you know playing the love interest or like she's you know the acceptable one and so it's like it's a little frustrating it's a lot frustrating to be honest but it's um it's good to know that the door is even open as far as it is because of women who like these women who came before it so yeah I agree um something that I found like really um fun about it is that it shows you all of these links to um to history that maybe we were supposed to get but we didn't (laughs) get at the time that we didn't get at the time like um Holly Scott who was like this amazing pianist who if 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 everyone remembers Alicia Keys hosting the Grammys like Mm -hmm. two years ago now and, you know, she brings out two pianos and she's doing this, you know, melody and people are like, wow, that's so amazing. Like, I've never seen this before. And it's like Holly Scott, you know, more than likely Alicia Keys knows about this woman, knows about this history. And that was her paying homage to this phenomenal black pianist who most of us don't know much about. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's so much lost history, honestly. Yeah. Um 
that's so unbelievable because it's just like I feel like a lot of it should be taught in like media classes and mm-hmm. it's just not um I will say that for me to learn most of this stuff I had to take classes that had blackness in the title or that had race class and gender in the title like so if you were to just take to take film history I don't think that you'd get most of this but if you were to take race class and gender you know where they are saying we're going to focus on the minorities that's when you'll get this information yeah which is and we've, ridiculous this, yeah we've discussed this how it like we should be learning and it's not only black history like every minority history in the united states is not is ignored in these like basic quote history classes and we really should be taught them but that's such a different conversation that we would definitely deep too far if we kept going yeah (laughs) i think um something that like i was thinking about while they were discussing the earliest stages of um, these black women in media was um that when you think about blackness you really have to define what it is based on whiteness yeah um and a lot of that gets into respectability a lot of it gets into like what it is to be an acceptable kind of black but like something that I learned a little bit deeper in film classes that they didn't necessarily hit on um but I thought would be interesting to discuss is that when you had these shows that they talked about like Amos and Andy or Beulah um, which were some of the earliest depictions of black, actual black people not in blackface mm-hmm. on on screen, um, coming from in like 1951. These characters were created on radio shows by white men, and so I know for sure Amos and Andy was, uh, you know, an extremely popular and serialized radio show run by two white men for like six years before it was picked up for a movie and then a television series. Mm-hmm. So when the television adaptions of these um, characters came around, it wasn't black people like acting as black people or as they normally would. It was black people imitating the white voices that they had been characterized as for years before that, which is basically blackface. I mean, that's like, we learned that a little bit in, again, African-American theater history. Mm-hmm. Um, like how the a lot of the archetypes and stereotypes were, are because of how white people expected black people to be. Or like the shoot i forgot which the main one with like the red lips and stuff that was a blackface character that mammy or um aunt jemima no it's the male version of like i think it's minstrel is Mm -hmm. the word yeah minstrel shows yeah yeah like where it was it started with a white man in blackface and then it became like black men had to act like that because it was like funny to white people yeah and so like it's just so interesting it's like the stereotypes are obviously are fake and not like the issue of all stereotypes mm-hmm. but like the fact that so much of the beginning of like 
black actors in particular are having to imitate what the white people want or find entertaining or expect yeah um which is so tragic um and it's still like it continues now so like (laughs) that's the sad thing yeah where it's black people through a white lens which obviously lends itself to um black women are be like the ones that are being put in the spotlight are these you know light skin mm-hmm. basically latina passing white passing you know some people wanted lena horn to you know just claim that she was latina when she is not yeah. um you know like what is version of blackness what can white audiences stomach um which yeah and like hearing about that blackface really what I think what we would really consider today to be or like what we've like coined recently which is like black fishing kind of mm-hmm. where it's like a white girl will put on like you know super dark tan and like act a certain way you know which we don't necessarily call it blackface anymore but it's like you're supposed to be recognized as ethnic basically like using her makeup on white actresses her white counterparts to play parts that she really deserved to play yeah that was wild like the thought that her like close friend got chosen for I wish I remember the role that she really wanted and it was like about a mix Julia in um show Mm. Showboat. Is that it? Or it's Julia. Julia in so it's like it's about from what I remember, it's about like a mixed character. It's about a light skinned black woman, yes. Yeah. And so like it was wild that they literally passed over someone who fits that demographic mm-hmm. for a white woman. And it's so sad that it was like it was one of her friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh Which is, you know, like that stuff still happens today. Yeah. No, it really, and yeah, it really does happen today, and that's why it's, like, so it's because, like, honestly, watching this made a lot of things make sense of today, um, but it didn't make it, like, easier, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's the tea. Um, a question I did want to ask you is that one of the commenters made a comment saying, um, that when she first watched Gone with the Wind, her mind went to, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, I want to be Scarlett O'Hara. And that Hattie McDaniel, who ended up winning, you know, was the first black woman to win Best Supporting Actress in a Film. Like Hattie McDaniel didn't even play mm-hmm. in her consciousness as someone that she wanted to be. Like, yeah. how did that hit you? Well, like, one, it hits me weirdly deep because like I remember growing up like my favorite characters were like Sharpay Evans and like that type of yeah so like the like cool I mean like I guess the mean girl is awful to say but they're usually Mm -hmm. very ambitious the glamorous girl yes the glamorous girl they're pretty ambitious and they always for whatever reason happen to be white and blonde um and then like 
our representation always aside I think that was the aspect of it they're always a side character and mm. I was more like drawn to a more main character the antagonist usually and mm. so like it sucks that like she has to like because it was like especially that character is such a stereotype um where it still today like we don't we always are talking about how we always get stories of black people suffering and in theater we talk about the slave play a lot and mm-hmm. the fact that we don't really get much representation that we can like want to be or see ourselves in um still happens today even though like we may not be the representation may not be the stereotype as much anymore like we still don't get just like the good life in the story you know there's always a struggle yeah which is where diane carroll actually like later in you know media history come like 1970 where she gets a lot of backlash actually which i think fits in a lot to what you say about like like all i could think about is how you always say like you know trends like ebb and flow you know, like, mm-hmm. it'll be back next year, basically. Yeah. But, like, where we had those issues early, come 1970, the criticism specifically from the Black community about her show, Julia, which she was one of the um, first Black women to headline a, um, a sit- it's a sitcom, but, like, um, basically a television series. Um where she is a black widowed mother, um, she's a nurse in a in a you know pretty busy hospital. She's extremely middle class, and you know she has white neighbors. They have you know fun conversations about uh, not fun conversations, but I would say fairly light and um, somewhat dismissive conversations about race. Uh Um, that is still that can still be stomached by a white audience that says you know yeah I maybe I shouldn't call her assume that she's a help you know just while she's out at a restaurant Um, the black community basically like latched onto that and said okay but you're not playing a black woman now like you're not playing truly what it means to be a black woman you're you just took a white character who they could switch you out for any of the white actresses on the street right now, and it would be the exact same show. Mm-hmm. So you're whitewashing the black experience in an attempt to remove all negative stereotypes, all negative, um, like you said, pain or any sort of struggle. So, you know, it was definitely interesting to see that. Did you have any response to that? Yes and no. I mean, like, I, shoot, I wish I re- reread the article. Because whenever I was watching Girlfriends, I, like, stumbled upon an article which made me want to watch it. And they were just talking about, I they didn't mention it in the documentary, but they were talking about how in this, this show, when it premiered, how, like, they tackled Black issues, but it wasn't, like, always the struggle Black issues. Like, it was, like, funny black issues if that makes sense mm-hmm. and so like that's like more I guess where I'm at where it's like you can and I really enjoyed Girlfriends honestly I'll probably start watching it again 
um, after this. Really? Yeah. Like, no, I think, so, like, with Girlfriends, it was, like, funny because it was, like, relatable and Black and still had that Blackness aspect to it. But, like, they weren't having to, like, suffer. And I think it's different Mm -hmm. with TV shows where, especially sitcoms, because each episode is their own plot line versus, like, movies, I guess, which are where Marma issues lie, where we can't just, like, shoot I wish I remember the movie title that I remember I want to say it was with you when we were at a movie theater I want to say it was high school that's why I don't remember and there was a preview and it was just a black couple just a love story and didn't have like the photograph maybe I couldn't tell you and it didn't seem like there was no like in the preview there was no like twist of like the cops getting them or anything it just seemed like mm-hmm. a regular old love story that's more where I'm at where it's like the blackness still needs to be part of the story, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be only the like that's like we have so many good things about being black and having black culture, and it doesn't get shown in media. That's tea. That's the thing. It's like we only get, and it's not we only. Like there are other representations of there's other representation where like it is the positive like black side, but that's really it's like. Don't make it whitewash, but you don't have to make it all about the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, how did you, I feel like I'm just interviewing you now? But I'm sorry, I have, I have no. I'm sorry. I just had a. Do you have something that you wanted to highlight? Because I just have a lot of questions. I mean, I feel like we've discussed it because I I found it interesting when they were talking about. I want to say it was 70s or 8 and 80s whenever there's a lot of black content but it was all the same type of black content. Mm-hmm. Um, or really like the introduction of black exploitation films. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. Thank you for remembering your name. Yes, the I can't say it. Black exploitation. Yes, that part. That was really wild to me because I feel like have you never seen a black exploitation film? Obviously I have, but I didn't realize it was like a whole thing. Um where, like, yeah. I didn't realize there was, like, drama behind it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's, like, drama. I feel like it was just one of those things where it's, like, when it comes to, like, the Black community, like, you're obviously not gonna, like, um, you're just not gonna appease everyone. Like, there's going to be criticism, whether it's from the general world public or whether it's from the NAACP. So it's, like, some people were, like, yeah she's a bad like like Pam Greer is a badass you know mm-hmm. and like Shaft is amazing and like these are stories that we want to see that we're excited to go see a whole bunch of action and not a lot of um plot and we want to see like the grime and the you know the dirt and and all that kind of stuff you know um, yeah you then you know you always have your opposite side of the um coin where it's like black people need to be seen as respectable and like normal people and like actual people and not just characters yeah I see I see I mean it's hard because we're at a different time and I feel like I can't really give my like actual opinion because it doesn't actually impact me right now because I feel like like I said like I didn't know that it was like a black exploitation film when I was watching it Mm-hmm. Um, can you say which one you watched? Honestly, I can't remember. It was like around the time I watched Black Klansman mm-hmm. that I went to watch another one. 
Um, because last so they were saying that it gave a lot of the black actors like opportunities at the time, which always is fantastic. Um, but like, I think what the issue was that they were saying was like it was this, they were all playing the same characters over and over again. Like there wasn't diversity or like mm-hmm. range, I guess. Um, and I feel like we kind of are in that place now in a different way, or like. I hate to say it. I am tired, kind of tired of seeing like so many like mixed couple things. Where like like we can never get fully black. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, like stuff like that where we're like constantly like I guess it was a point I feel like where they were stuck in black media, which like, but it also was progress. So it's like hard because you want to be excited for the progress, but it's not necessarily the progress that you may necessarily want mm-hmm. um and really what progress looks like is opportunity exactly yes but at the same time like i guess like i don't feel like it carried over like we don't really have that issue now what i do feel you like mean? we're still getting like i don't think that there's as many opportunities now for black people even to like do that kind of like yeah like there's just not enough opportunity even yeah. if it was bad opportunity. Yeah, the last action film that I can say that a, I saw a black um, lead in, which the little things just dropped today with Denzel Washington. I don't know how action-packed that is, but I think it goes to show you that, like, it still kind of pinpoints, you know, we have a certain couple of people who can get these kind of roles mm-hmm. um, that the last one that I can really remember was Tanette which stars his son, John David Washington. Yes, I think I remember this. I don't think mm-hmm. I saw it, but I do remember hearing about his son being in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like, I don't know. It's just wild to me how we've gotten so far, but like, I feel like we just still have not gotten far enough. And like, mm-hmm. Even though I do love so many of, like, the Black actresses that we have, like, it's true that they are the ones that get cast all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, and and we shout out our girl all the time. Like, we're, like, <laughs> Brie and I are very ready to shoot a movie specifically for Armando Stromberg to run. I just want to see this girl run in a movie on set. I need to see it in person. <laughs> we um, are part of the issue, yes, but also, like, <laughs> we've been planning it. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know that if you're going to have a young Black lead who I would say anywhere from, like, 24 and under, it's either going to be Zendaya, Yara Shahidi, or, or Amandala. Yeah, and especially when it's, like, YA, it's an Amandala. Like... <laughs> <laughs> she's got the bag already yeah like like now I feel like Zendaya yes is doing like still the 24 and under but it's a little bit more edgy it's a little bit more like adults mm-hmm. I guess um and yeah but again you're right it's the same people <laughs> and they're all mixed race women which there's nothing wrong with being mixed race it's just the fact that brown-skinned women with, you know, kinky hair are not getting cast, like, in these prominent roles that make them household names. Exactly. Um, 
or at least I'll say this, at least until um, they get into their 30s and they get this like breakout role. And it's like, you know, I've been in Hollywood for so many years and I've been waiting for it. And it's like, yes, and it's it's that's so great. But I would love to see young black women on the screen. Yeah, it's like. It that kind of happened with Taraji P. Henson, with Regina King, with you know, Regina Hall, even who all these women were getting a lot of roles, but they didn't really get their starring roles until later in their career. Yeah, I'm even thinking like for like middle aged women, we have like Octavia and Viola, Viola, like mm-hmm. it's like we really just have the same people over and over again, and they're all talented. That's like the wild. I like. I would like be more mad about it, but like even mm-hmm. Ma, like Ma would not be as good if it was not Octavia Spencer. <laughs> like, um, like it's just like it's so frustrating because they are talented, but also like there needs to be more opportunity. And how does that opportunity exist? Um, I guess is where my I wonder so much. <laughs> yeah, where does where does opportunity really come up? Like Cicely Tyson was talking about how uh, people would tell her, like, you only take a role like every two to three years. And she'd say, well, that's, that's the amount of time it takes for me to get a role that I feel is worthwhile. Exactly. Which like nothing wrong with that. And especially during that time where so much of it, like the roles were probably problematic. For mm-hmm. a black woman, like it makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. um, and like it definitely is quality over quantity. Um, but like again, when we want opportunities, like they need to exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's like it's one of those things hmm? for me. It's one of those things for me where it's like I don't think people realize that Meryl Streep has been on screens. And, like, people, uh, like, actresses like her. Oh, God, I can see her. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, these women have been on screens for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, you cannot tell. Like, people always want to call Viola Davis, like, the black uh, Meryl Streep. And it's, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, yeah, Meryl Streep has been on screen since she was in her 20s and she has gotten I see her consistently every year since that yeah at least once at least once whether it's a guest role whether it's you know a cameo but it's like Viola Davis isn't getting pitched the Devil Wears Prada like no but man she would have killed it <laughs> oh it would have been amazing and Ima- imagining her in that role she would have slayed but it's like you know they're not even getting the opportunity they're not even getting the opportunity to do bad movies you know what i mean like i feel like that's the thing with white actors for me <laughs> is that they get the opportunity i'm sorry i'm only laughing because ma still exists so yeah like... <laughs> it's like yeah it's like okay ma but it's like that's one example yeah she's had one bad movie one bad like it's like black people are still held to this degree where it's like this has to be great I have to be great and it's like they're not getting enough opportunities to where they can do something and it be bad 
Like Will Smith is the only black actor I can think of that truly like just throws himself out there. And sometimes it's not very good. <laughs> and it's also because white people love him. Love Will Smith. When it comes to uh, like their responsibility that they felt as black actresses um how did you feel about that like cicely tyson um basically her angle was that the only education sometimes for white people that the only education that they get is through books and through films and um nina simone says that her job as an artist is to reflect the times so what did you feel about that well when i thing I will say that and because I I wish I had paid attention more I did see Alicia Keys was an executive producer and I want to say it was all black women producing it but like some of the editing like made it where it was kind of like oh I hate it so like there was interview cuts of Cecily talking about that I believe yeah and then like cuts with like people doing like I guess like some black actresses doing poor representation of like black women I guess mm-hmm. or like choosing roles that weren't always the best representation yep and I hate it that they made those editing choices because it made it seem like she was talking trash or like their work doesn't matter mm-hmm. um when like I know I don't know her intentions but interview like I think she just was in general talking about probably how she's talking about how mm-hmm. she chooses so few roles um so that yeah. editing made me frustrated that being said like I do get what she means by like realizing that because she is a representation like the magnitude of that and how like yeah when white people are thinking of black people like they're essentially thinking of like the few black people they've seen on mm-hmm. tv and movies um so I do appreciate like the self awareness of it, um, because it is very true. However, I guess my thing is I feel like it shouldn't always be on the actors that much. Um, more so, it's a directing yeah. and writing issue um, of how these people are portrayed. Because that's something we talk about in theater a lot. Are like, um, and specifically in um, like our non bias training is, like, you can't direct someone to, quote, act more Black or, like, give them stereotypical ways to act when it's, like, supposed to be a character like that, um, that, like, is a race. Because it's, like, one, everyone has different, 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 different definition, but also, like, it's very problematic to be, like, act yeah. more Black. Like, what does that mean? Like, um... I feel like I'm going on a lot. Oh, no, you're good. Here. But <laughs> yeah, I guess like so. Yeah, like that's why I'm like I appreciate when actors are aware of it and like say like I am the representation. Blah 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 blah. But I do wish they didn't have so much pressure because it really is yeah. always. And on I think them. my thing is, and I, I I make it pretty known that just where I am with this whole, you know, where we are in civil rights and all that kind of stuff, I just no longer think that it's, like, the Black person's job to teach white people how to treat them or how to see them or how to see, how to not look at that representation 
and um, then create a monolith in their head, you know, Um, which I mean, there's psychology against that. And I get it. And I understand that if you grow up in a predominantly white um, area and you haven't really met black people and the only black people that you know are from TV, like what else are you going to do? You know, so I get that. But that's also why it's just so important for there to be much more opportunity for Black people to be shown on television so that they don't feel like every role has to be, you know, the perfect role. Yeah. I do feel like... I feel like there's a period of time where there was lush pressure about that for actors in our lifetime. And I feel like just recently it started to become more of a, like, we need more representation again. Like, people are realizing, and again, it may come, I know we're talking about this later of the month. It may come back to, there. I feel like we just, there was a period of time where there was a lot of representation mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. And then I it just disappeared and so like recently again I get I guess like all these actors have like this pressure now that they represent the entire community and that just is not what needs to be Mm -hmm. what they need (laughs) um but yeah I agree with you on that like there needs more representation since they are what people who aren't around black people know um but also the issue, too, is just, like, with all media, of all the stereotypes as well, like, that's why you have people who, like, have the popularity thing in high school and, like, believe the nerds and, like, stuff like that, where, like, they're so, like, t- media really, d- I think that's the thing. People, the argument of, like, media doesn't impact children is just so false, and I, like, there really is no way that anyone can try to say media does not impact kids because they really do we should um as like a last thing that we do um we should hit the activism part of it so like um i think one of the most influential parts and like you said inspiring parts of this doc was just how um seriously these women took their activism as well um abby lincoln who was one of the most influential jazz singers, you know, and her using her voice to like project what it feel, what black pain was and like saying, this is what, mm-hmm. you know, we're feeling right now when four black girls are bombed while sitting in Sunday school. And obviously you have Nina Simone who is speaking di- directly in her music to a white audience saying we're not nonviolent and we're not going to take this anymore. You know, Lena Horn is red listed for being technically a communist. Mm-hmm, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was wild. I mean, I wish it's hard to say though. Cause I feel like, are they not as like, they obviously is a lot of activism now because of black lives matter. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like they don't always put it in their work as much anymore. Yeah. Um, I would say that it's always, we'll, we'll always get a plot line. Um, but there is a kind of attempt to diverge from that focus of media. 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. All those ladies were lovely. It was sad that most of them yeah, have, have passed, passed and never really got the recognition that they deserved um, for their work. No. And it's like... The, not at yeah. all. Not like, at even all. seeing the Cicely Tyson gets an honorary, you know, Oscar, I'm like, y'all should feel ashamed for even asking her to do that because you know she deserved an Oscar. Like, yeah. that just, it felt like a slap in the face. But, you know, I know she was incredibly grateful. And, uh, you know, we d- definitely aren't going to take away an accolade from her that the, she was given. But, you know, it just was like, for me, it was a how dare you moment where it's like honorary, truly. So, but it's like not even just in the the work that they chose to play, but like also just in the way that they chose to be represented. I felt like it was such a um a great mm-hmm. thing to see. Like they they talk about how you know Cicely Tyson had an afro, but one thing that I also thought was incredible was that. It was like a fade, basically. Like it was very short, you know. It was a style that I think is, you know, kind of coming back, but like you didn't see laid edges. You didn't see, you know, waves in their hair. It was just yeah. their hair. Yeah. Like that I do wish I say this about The Bachelor, especially. Like I'm like, I want someone in braids in the regular season Mm -hmm. like so that was like that was I loved seeing like the hair diversity um and I'm sad that like I feel like we've gotten so far away from that where it's like you know like I said you have the natural girls who are who have looser hair types so it's like they just have you know super curly hair and like laid edges and stuff like that and it's like has really all fine and well, but there are tons of us who don't have that, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, like, because Cecily has a braided hairstyle. And they just call it the mm-hmm. African crown or something like that. Yeah. And I, oh, man, because I'm like, that would be so bomb for someone mm-hmm. to do something like that nowadays um yeah i don't know if they would it's it's one of those things too where it made me angry because it's like you see cicely tyson doing this in the 60s and the 70s and then you have the nerve to give credit for cornrows to bo Derek. like what kind of mess is that what kind like why attribute such a obviously cultural and like culturally beautiful and significant hairstyle to a white woman and make it, you know, and then say, you know, oh, well, it's fashionable now when Cicely Tyson obviously probably could never do um, a, like, like she started out on, on a um, show called East Side, West Side, where she did have an Afro, but like, do, do you really think they would have let her have African sculpture braids? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, it's just incredible to me. They, like, really, uh, the fact that, like, you're right, they have not gotten recognition, most of them, for, like, what they did. Um, when they were so committed to, like, their blackness, 
is like mm-hmm. incredible to me. Like, cause, like even the fact that she, fuck, what was her name? Who didn't like? She was like, I am black. Like, I'm not gonna Lena Horn. say I'm Latina. Yes, Lena Horn. Like that's like. I like she was like I am a black woman this is who I am and I appreciate that because it that does happen nowadays but like I don't know I feel like it should be talked about more like the ethnically ambiguous situation that happens which I think is why they're so easy Mm -hmm. to like cast light-skinned girls yeah and I think yeah whereas um like Abby Lincoln, who is criticized in her work for, like, the critic called her a professional Negro. You know what I mean? Where it's like she claimed her blackness to the point that they were like, this is Mm -hmm. too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of persistence. And like you said, even seeing that in Lena Horne and seeing that in these women who are um, who people want to attribute them to whiteness so badly and it's like no i'm a black woman yeah Mm -hmm. i guess that's why i was because there is so (laughs) much now to like um like your proximity to whiteness you know and it's like nah i'm just black Overall, incredibly inspiring, and I <laughs> definitely recommend watching um, this documentary. I agree. Like, yeah. I think we're linking it with our episode. No, I guess. We yeah, we'll definitely out. leave a link. Balls. I think it's only going to be on PBS <laughs> until like February nineteenth. So, give it a watch. It's incredibly inspiring. It's yeah. called. It's an episode of American Masters called "How It Feels to Be Free." So. A lot of great information and definitely go watch it. Alrighty, guys, now it is time for Sorry Not Sorry's. It's our part of the podcast where we can just showcase something we're loving, something we're not too fond of, whatever you want to talk about, because it is your part of the podcast and not be sorry about it. So, Brie, what do you got? Um, so today, the day that we are recording it, Betty Who sent an email and then she tweeted about it um, that she is doing two live stream concerts the weekend of valentine's which is my favorite holiday um even though i'm single most of the years um but i just love i think i love hearts and pink and red and i think it's like there's so much chocolate and i think it's always like good because it's not only ever, I feel like I've never had a Valentine's that's only been about, like, romantic love. Like, it's about, like, platonic love. And, like, I always, like, since college, take myself out on, like, a little date during the day. Um, can't this year because of COVID. But, like, so so when Betty Hoos announced that she's doing a live stream concert, I was, like, perfect. Now I'm booked for the weekend. Um, I can't wait. She's doing, on the 13th, um, like, a bunch of heartbreak songs. So I feel like I'm gonna, like, I'm excited, even though, like, I'm going to get emotional, not even because I'm sad about it, but because, like, her singing heartbreak songs are, is going to make me cry. But then the next day, she's going to do all love songs, so then I'll recover. Um, but I'm really excited uh, that I have my plans. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's only $25 for both shows, so I'm like, I might as well 
SIBO. That's you. I'm excited. <laughs> Obviously, we are, you know, Betty stands on this podcast, so mm-hmm. I'm ready to see it. Yeah. What about you? What's your sorry, not sorry? I, that was so quick of me, but like, I have nothing else to say until it happens. That's tea. <laughs> Hopefully by then I'll be employed and have the $25 to do it. Um, <laughs> I hate this life. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, me too. <laughs> I like, honestly, if it wasn't my birthday tomorrow, I would have to choose a show. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other, you have to choose. Um, I have I have an interview on Monday, so let's hope. Here's hoping. Fingers um, crossed. Anyways, my sorry, not sorry this week. Sorry, guys. I know we just got done talking about a ton of Black women and love them and obviously love Black women. But my, like, rock legend, Miley Cyrus, had a tiny desk this week that truly brought me out of a dark place. like she's just so I think she's just such a raw talent that it's just impossible not to listen to her and just acknowledge that so if you got the time it's only like 11 minutes really chill like not she doesn't even sing um a lot of her upbeat songs it's very like she's sitting down the whole time just a very chill um tiny desk um yeah NPR, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Give it a listen. It's good vibes. I always enjoy a Tiny Desk concert, not gonna lie. They kind of slap. Even artists I don't like, I'll watch. <laughs> I can't say I do that. I will say I've watched Chloe and Halle's Tiny Desk. Like, I listen to that in the mornings when I'm, like, getting ready. Like, it's just... The, re- the reason why I think I watch Tiny Desk for artists I don't like is because like I want to know if they can actually sing because mm-hmm. I do uh, I feel like lately this last year I have more of an appreciation for like people actually being able to sing or like performances in which I can actually hear people sing that's what I mean Yeah. Um, where like sometimes on those like quote live since we've been in corona like the backing track is like too loud and I'm like I want to just hear them sing like mm-hmm. this is their profession so that's why I enjoy Tiny Desk um I need to watch I didn't know she had one yeah it's really good well obviously you made it sorry not sorry <laughs> all right all right all right smarty pants well, all right guys that's gonna wrap up this week's episode of R&B if you can like do it if you can subscribe do it if you can share it do it be out here in the streets for us because we are trying to be out here in the streets for you guys. And as always, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.